it's the couples who have decided to live together for economics or for Mm -hmm. practical reasons and then say, well, we've been living together anyway. We might as well get married. Those are the couples that tend to get into trouble later on in divorce. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman and I discuss the many studies that have come out with conflicting results about whether or not it's good for your marriage to have cohabitated beforehand. Many of it comes from what Karen says is whether or not you and your spouse got into your current position from a slide or a decide. Find out what that means and much more. Stay tuned. I'm going to go ahead and self-promote here. I've co-authored my first book. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, and it's part biography, part self-help, part leadership book, and a part sports story, and it's very inspirational. It tells the story of the UCLA gymnastics head coach, Valerie Condos Field, who has become one of the winningest coaches in NCAA history. Yet, she never did gymnastics. In fact, she's never even played competitive sports in her life. She was a professional ballerina, As you can imagine, she has an amazing story and she is an amazing person. And I'm really proud of the book that we have put together. It's out now wherever books are sold. And again, it is called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. Oh, and if you read it, please leave a review or email to let me know what you think. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, Welcome, welcome. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness in the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And you can also get that at our website, hitchmag.com. So, Karen, over the years, I have seen so many reports and articles and studies on the dangers of cohabitating uh, before marriage. And I have also seen uh, many articles, studies, papers written on the benefits of cohabitating before marriage. And so it was really interesting because yet another one came out. Um, this past week um, when we're recording that said uh, cohabitating linked to divorce. And so then there was another piece that came out in response to that in the Atlantic that essentially breaks down what's happening here or attempts to uh, theorize on it. So I thought that we could weigh in on this, uh, more specifically you, uh, (laughs) (laughs) as to what the heck is going on. So first and foremost, my big question, question I have is, do you have an opinion on whether or not cohabitating is good or bad for a marriage based on what we know? I believe under the right circumstances, which we'll get into later, uh, it's a good thing. I I do think that uh, there are a lot of benefits to um, cohabitating, and one of them might be, in fact, that you decide not to get married. 
Um, but I think that it allows you to really get to know the person, obviously, to see who they are. And before you tie the knot and have children and it becomes really difficult and involved, um, you're better off finding out before you go down that path. Now, of course, that's not to say that there aren't people who have children out of wedlock. Um, and as I said, there are other circumstances where I don't think it's a good situation, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Okay. Um, okay. So we'll talk about that stuff later. So then my first, um, follow up to this is, uh, so I mentioned the Atlantic article. So one person, uh, who they interviewed looking at this data suggested that, um, what might be happening is the information is getting interpreted with an old bias, mm-hmm. uh, suggesting that, um, it is a bit taboo, or at least it used to be taboo for couples to live together before getting married. Um, can you explain how that would uh, infect the data that they're looking at? Well, you know, with any study, um, you still have somebody interpreting the results. Mm-hmm. And so, Uh, As much as we try to be clinical about our results and, um, you know, really interpret things from a statistical point of view, uh, you still have the person who's doing the interpreting. And so if you have a bias, that's obviously going to impact the way you look at data. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you believe that it's inappropriate um, as it was thought of, um, you know, years ago, then you're going to look at it and say, yeah, this, you know, these data point to what I believe, uh, that it is not appropriate for couples to be living together before they're married. Mm -hmm. And is part of that selecting the information that kind of backs and supports your bias and yeah, of course. Some of the other data that okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the interesting things I found was that two different studies came out from two different research groups using the exact same data set, mm-hmm. and they came mm-hmm. with the exact opposite conclusions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I was so like, that isn't that interesting? You yeah, know? yeah. So I thought that was like really interesting. So. Um, with that being said, um, what you know, can you give us a theory uh, as to why couples started living together before cohabitating? Like where this societal change happened? Well, you know, I I think that it just became more people couples were doing it um, at the time when couples were doing it. It was um, generally thought of as well. These are people who go outside the norm. Um, and so then there was some discussion about, well, if they were unusual, that uh, back in those days, it was also unusual to get divorced. And so these people who were willing to be different um, were therefore also willing to be different as far as going after a divorce. And so obviously uh, people who cohabitate are more likely to get a divorce. But I think that um, with times, as times have changed and there was a greater um, openness about sexuality and people feeling that it wasn't so sinful for couples to um, be living with one another before they got married and a greater acceptance of it, that couples started to do that. Now, the other factor and the one that um, 
I was referring to in my first statement was that people started also living together for the sake of economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was just easier to split the rent, split the fees, et cetera, et cetera. And it was no longer looked down upon if those two people happened to be of the opposite sex. They were just friends. Mm-hmm. But what happened or what happens is that due to the law of proximity, we tend to get a sense of closeness to the people who live physically closer to us. Now, obviously, you can't get physically closer than if you're living in the same apartment or the right. same house. Right. And so what ends up happening is that couples who initially start out living together for pragmatic reasons, for practical reasons, end up saying, well, you know, we've been living together and we live together so well anyway that maybe we should get married. Mm-hmm. And so they get married, and then it turns out that there's a whole bunch of other factors that have to do with making a relationship work that were really not there uh, when the couple decided to live together. And so in the relationship world, we call that that there are couples who slide into marriage as opposed to decide. So when a couple gets uh, decides to live together initially because it is their intention to get married, but you know, they've decided for economic reasons or because they do want to get to know each other a little bit better that uh, they want to live together. Those couples do fine. They don't get divorced. But it's the couples who have decided to live together for economics or for mm-hmm. practical reasons and then say, well, we've been living together anyway. We might as well get married. Those are the couples that tend to get into trouble later on and divorce. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this before and I love, I love that slide versus decide because you, you can see how that could slowly evolve of a relationship of convenience just picks up steam. Mm-hmm. And eventually you find yourself in this scenario where you're like, oh, wait, I didn't actually choose any of this. I mean, right. you technically did choose it, but it wasn't like a very well thought out, intentional go ahead plan. Right. Um, okay. So then um, I guess one of the things that I I feel that I have trouble with, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well, is trying to make sense of conflicting studies or conflicting conclusions on perhaps the same study and trying to know like what to believe. I mean, you see this everywhere, like butter's good for you. Butter's bad for you. Salt's good for you. Salt's bad for you. Do the Atkins. Don't do the Atkins. The keto diet. Ketosis is bad. So, um, so what, like, can, do you have any recommendations for us? It's funny that you mentioned those things because I was going to use examples like that as well, you know, <laughs> okay. keep switching. I think that what you have to do is understand that as much as we attempt to be um, clinical and objective, that 
there are still biases or uh, statistical inadequacies that come into a study. And so you're not necessarily going to have a perfect study. Now, you know, if you are uh, in college and learning the uh, technicalities of how you do research, you might be able to uh, be more critical and know immediately where the problems lie. But most people find that rather boring Mm -hmm. um, and wouldn't know that. But I think you just have to understand that in general – um, there probably is um, a likeliness that there is some imperfection in the study. And so read it and have some guarded um, appreciation of the results. Mm-hmm. Um, and know, just like with the examples that you gave, that there's always new findings or further findings that uh, clarify the previous findings that um, may be coming shortly down the pike. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, don't don't necessarily run with the extremes. And even if the study is done perfectly, there's always an exception to the rule. Right. Um, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm holding back a little bit because, yes. uh, in, in my introduction into this question, because as you know, or any long time listener knows, I, my past life, I was a research editor. So looking at studies, <laughs> one of the things that I did a lot of, and, um, I would say one of my number one rules is to follow the money. Look who funded mm-hmm. the study and yep. typically will uh, you can. Uh, I always get really skeptical if the company that funded it, if the results benefit that company. Mm, and it's a very way. good point, Steve. And very so, good point. Yeah. So take a look at that. Um, also, um, I think this is something you alluded to. Whatever the finding in, or the results are, um, I almost never take it as gospel. I mm-hmm. I, I think. You know, that's informative, (laughs) but I wouldn't change my entire lifestyle based on one single study. Like, well, they said I could eat sugar. Right. And you find out 10 years later, like, oh, that was, you know, done by CNH, (laughs) blah, 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 sugar processing company. Yeah. So um, I think those are two of the big things. And then the other thing that I also look out for is the questions that aren't asked. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I see something uh, and I feel like there's like a major omission just looking at it. And it's like, well, yeah, you got those results, but you left out this like giant swath of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I always look at that as well. So those are just yes. some of the things that I look for. All, all great points. Very, very valid points. Um, so then the last question I have for you, Karen, is do you think we will ever have the answer or know – whether or not cohabitating is good for a marriage or bad for a marriage, like if there's a concrete answer to this question? No. (laughs) No, because there's just too many factors involved. I think we can possibly in the future suggest certain things. But, you know, even looking at what makes a marriage successful or what are the factors that you should look for, again, they're suggestions, uh, but there are always exceptions. And so I don't think we can ever answer anything absolutely. And what we do know is that 
times change um, and the way we look at things change. So for all I know, um, my grandchildren will think that it's a terrible thing to uh, cohabitate uh, because the pendulum swings. So I don't know that we'll ever absolutely have the answer to, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think what I'd really rather stress is, you know, what are the factors or what are the skills or what are the attributes of what makes for a good marriage or ways to reduce the likelihood of divorce? Mm. I Well, I was actually going to do the follow-up, uh, which is, so if you do find yourself cohabitating and you read mm-hmm. studies and you're just like, oh, this is good or this is bad, what might be indic- – like? What can you do to feel like this is a trial run for when you get married? Like what difference, what difference do you think there would be for a couple? Um, you know, cause these results are based on whether the marriage stays together or not. So right. what, what would you be looking for as you cohabitate as to whether or not you're on the good path or the negative path? Well, I think, you know, as always, you want to make sure that there's respect in your relationship. Um, you want to make sure that you're communicating about your feelings or issues that are important to you. You know, the, the, the kinds of things that we talk about that makes a good relationship. Um, and, and again, you know, in my mind, I do think that cohabitating allows you to test the waters. It should not be assumed that if you're cohabitating, you are just taking one step towards getting married. I now that, that may sound like I have contradicted myself. I don't think you should be living together and then say, well, we've been living together so long, we might as well get married. I do think it should be, this is somebody I'm very serious about. This is somebody I'm committed to. This is somebody where my intention is to marry them. But I also know that if I see that we don't get along or that there are problems or that there isn't the respect that I thought there was, or any number of other things, I can get out. I don't have to take that next step towards marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important because when you think of it as a trial run, for example, um, it's not inevitable, right? Like that's Correct. the whole point of it is right. to see how you cohabitate. And if the red flags start popping up in your relationship because you do spend 24 seven around them or at least a lot more time around them. Um, so I think that's a great point. You know, Steve, so often you and I have discussed the, um, the rosy covered, covered glasses, the rose colored Uh glasses rather. And I think that when you live with each other, some of that might be a little clearer. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not just in that, um, fairy tale kind of just going out and having a good time all the time. You have the opportunity to do the nitty gritty day to day living with each other. Mm -hmm. You get to see, you know, are are the dirty socks and underwear picked up? You get to see, uh, are the dishes left in the sink? You you know, you get to see the real living. So that's what um, the living together does for each other. It takes the um, uh, some of the uh, 
prettiness, shall we say, or sexiness off of the dating, and you get to see what daily life with the other person is about. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we've talked about this in the past where when you're dating or courting, you're presenting your best self. Sure. And it's easy to do in short spurts. And even mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all had coworkers where we really like this coworker, and they put they they dress up, they look nice, um, they come in, they're friendly, they're professional, uh, and we see them every day for eight hours a day, and we think they're fantastic. And then you might mm-hmm. see them out once in a social environment where they're not putting on that like work facade and you're just like, Oh, they're actually much different than I thought. And that's necessarily bad or good, but like, they're definitely different than who they are. And, Mm -hmm. and I think to your point, when you're living together, you can't do that fake 24 seven. That's right. That's right. I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, I, I, I've covered all my questions and I feel like and I'm, I've covered all my points. So you don't have anything to add? <laughs> no, okay. I, I sort of snuck them in on you. Fantastic. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well then with that, I hope this was helpful. Um, I hope this gives you guys some, and, and gals, some insights of when you find and see these studies making headlines, um, to take some of them with a grain of salt, know that, um, you know, look for the, the, where they're being funded, like all that stuff. And uh, you just have a better appreciation for these data points. And so with that, we will wrap it up. So uh, one last time, thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. And uh, I want to remind you before we sign off that Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Of course, you can find it on our website, hitchedmag.com. And I think I've mentioned this in the past. Um, I also have a book that I've co-authored. It's called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. It is very much a self-help book, so it's not related specifically to marriage, but I do think it will help you uh, for all you uh, listeners out there that want to take control of your life. So check that out if you wouldn't mind. Uh, and so with that, that'll do it for this week. Until next time, take care, everybody. Hey, 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 are you ready? We look into each other's eyes. We know that it's showtime. Clear our heads of all our worries and fears. Now we know it's go time. And it's about